touch on the second installment on uh, the 12. Even this morning, throughout the whole of last week, many of you had texted me. Even this morning, some of you have approached me and said, Pastor, I've been a Christian for so many years, I've yet to hear a message on Judas Iscariot, and the way you put it is amazing. Because I thought I already known everything about Judas Iscariot, and uh, to those of us who were not here last week, I spoke about Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve. He was a privilege to be called one of the twelve. Every time Judas Iscariot's name is mentioned, he is always classified as one of the twelve. And yet, we look into his life, we discover of the commitment he made. You see, Judas Iscariot at one time made a commitment to the Lord, just like all of us here. We make a commitment to the Lord, and we also you know, were given the opportunity, like him. He had the opportunity. Many somehow allow the, the, the image of a betrayer to overshadow everything else and forget that at one time in his life, Judas Iscariot did cast out demons. He was there when Lazarus was raised from the dead. He was there when five loaves and two fish that was distributed by the Lord multiplied in his hand as he went out and distributed among the 5,000 people. He was there in the boat when Jesus awakened from the sleep, spoke to the storm, rebuked the way. He was there when Jesus walked on water towards them. He was there when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He was there in every miracle that Jesus performed. He was there among the crowd when Jesus spoke about the Sermon of the Mount. He was there when Jesus told them about the parables of the kingdom. He was there when Jesus gave warning to the Pharisees. If they continue to behave like that, God will judge them. He was there in every instance. And yet, instead of casting out demons, the devil entered him later one day. The choice he made, the opportunity he had, the choice he made. And I suppose all of us here, we are responsible of the choices we make. We like to blame people for the things that befall us, but ultimately you and I will be responsible. What we sow, we will reap. And of course, finally, the outcome he embraced. So this morning, I'd like to continue on the next two, and that is the James and John, the 12, James and John, the sons of thunder, Jesus gave them this nickname, sons of thunder, sons of Thor. Okay, this morning we will look closely that they were explosive in nature, hot-tempered. I think all of us can identify ourselves with them. Uh, many of us are hot-tempered. We know we are easily agitated, get irritated. And uh, James and John, actually Jesus called them Vonagets, sons of thunder, because of an incident in their life, and we can identify. Later, we also discover that they were very narrow-minded people, intolerant. I think we also can see ourselves in James and John. Sometimes we don't like people who disagree with us. We are very exclusive in our approach. If people do not come from us, we cancel them out. 
If people don't speak like us, we have no patience with them, intolerant. We discover that in James' life, they were so. And thirdly, we also discover they were very ambitious people, like some of us here. We are also very self-centered. In our desire to succeed in life, often we push people down. And James and John too, right? They requested something that was impossible, to which the Lord replied and said, you actually don't know what you are asking. And they keep insisting, say, we want. We want to be seated on the right and we want to be seated on the left. Jesus said, be careful with what you ask. He says, we, are you able to drink the cup that I drink? They say, yes. Yeah, Jesus said, okay. On that basis, we discover later, James was the first to be killed. John was the last to be killed. Or rather, John was the last to leave the scene. And so, in these three areas, we will see ourselves in James and John. Let's begin with nickname. It's a substitute for a proper name. Vonagets, commonly used to express affection. We Malaysians are very fond of nickname. In Kotabaro, uh, uh, there is an old man retired. Whenever he comes to church, he will give out vitamin C. And so we have a name for him, Mr. Vitamin C. Because he's always giving out vitamin C to everyone that comes. I don't know where he gets his supply from, uh, but uh, we call him. And so when he's not in church, we say, where is vitamin C? Uh, thank God we don't have one here. Uh, but that's a nickname given. A, a term that expresses affection. It's a form of endearment and amusement. Jesus called them sons of thunder. We too have our own fair share. In James and John, Vonagas. Not pronounced Vonagas. Vonagas, which means sons of thunder in Mark chapter 3. Verse 17, why? Because James and John have explosive temperament and have fiery temper. Let's look at number one. They were explosive in nature and there was one incident that Jesus sent them to a city called Samaria and they did not welcome Jesus. And so when the disciples, James and John, saw it, they asked, Lord, they were furious. Lord, do you want us to call fire on them from heaven to destroy them? Jesus turned and rebuked. Now, rebuke is a very strong word. Rebuked them and said, you don't know what spirit you have. For the Son of Man came to save, not destroy. And if you look into the context, some older translations say, Lord, Shall we call fire like Elijah and destroy them? You see, fire from heaven in the Old Testament was a form of judgment. Sodom and Gomorrah, God sent fire. In the first king, when the young people make fun of prophet Elijah, they call him bald-headed, bald-headed, bota, bota. Some of you may get offended, I'm not referring to you. But when they call Elijah, Bota, Bota, Elijah turned and pointed his finger into heaven. Fire came and consumed 50 of them were destroyed. Judgment. Judgment. 
And we also know that in the times of tribulation, the false prophet had the ability to call fire. And then at the end of millennium, we find that God will also send fire from heaven. But fire is not always judgment. Fire is also sacrifice. You find that David, after he made amendments with God at the dressing hole of Aruna, begin to prepare sacrifice, even though the owner offered him the place for free, he says, no, I will not offer to God anything that costs me nothing. And so he prepared the sacrifice and we read in the scripture, God was so pleased, God sent fire and consumed the sacrifice. And then later his son David, I mean his son Solomon, at the dedication of the temple, you know, pray a beautiful prayer and how he wanted to please God. And we read in 2 Kings, you know, God sent fire and also to consume the sacrifice. The glory of God filled the temple. And then we also read in 1 Kings chapter 19 at Carmel, Mount Carmel, at the confrontation between the false prophet of Baal and Elijah, at the challenges, whoever God that answers by fire, he will be God. And you know the story from morning to evening, the prophets of Baal call and call and call and call there was no fire from heaven and when the noontime came before the sacrifice Elijah prayed a very short prayer very short prayer it says God answer so that your people may know that you are God if you count the number of words it's only I think the last time I counted was 16 or 17 words God you answer let the people know that you are God the moment he finished praying, fire from heaven came and consumed the sacrifice. And so, in the scripture, we have many references of fire from heaven. And so, it's not uncommon for James and John who believe. You see, Jesus rebuked them for their spirit, not rebuked them for their request. In other words, they really believe if they was given that opportunity, fire can come down. Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you have. He didn't rebuke them for their faith. Rebuke them for the spirit that they manifested. And many times, we too struggle with that. Passion and zeal must always be balanced with love for people. And that's a lesson that we should learn. Without love, zeal can turn to harshness. And this is exactly what James and John manifested. They went to that city to prepare. They were rejected. They were furious. You see, many of us can't handle rejection. They were furious. And they decided to call fire. Had the Lord gave them permission. Let me continue to say this. Anger is one letter short of danger. D. You take out the D, you get anger. Danger. You cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. If you're angry, you will not be able to extend the hand of friendship. How many of you have shaken hands with people who are angry? You can't. You've got to let go. And then, the sharpest words are words spoken in wrath. Many times when we are angry, we let words out that we later regret 
we wish that we can take some of the words back. Sometimes when we get angry with our wife or our husband, we say things. And husband, we need mercy. Because those words that we use, if the wife uses it on us, by tomorrow we will forget. But not the wives. 30 years in their memory bank, they still remember. And so sometimes when argument come out, oh, they reminded us, we say this, even the occasion and even the timing. And we live to regret those sharp words we never are able to take back. Fastest horse, the Chinese proverbs say, fastest horse cannot even catch the words spoken in anger. Chinese proverbs. A few days ago, you read of a story of a 41-year-old IT man. This is so common, road rage on our roads. Got involved in a minor accident. They came out, argued with one another. Then they got back into their car. And then after that, the, I got, the other guy not happy, took out a, 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 a bat and started hitting the other car. And that car, don't know how to respond, used that car to crush him. And today, they are staring at a murder charge. All angry people. Probably when they were going through all that, they never thought it would end up like that. The future of that family destroyed. Why? In a moment of anger, they did things which now they are staring at the murder charge. Almost turned racial in Malaysia. We are a few days from our national day. After 62 years, the makeup of this nation is still at a very fragile stage. Anything you say can turn racial. Anything you say can turn religious. So after 62 years, we have not arrived. That's why we need to pray for this nation. Angry words, once exchanged, we live to regret it. So the question is, how many times we too have wanted to call down fire on someone that is against us? James and John were like that. They cannot accept no. They cannot accept rejection. They cannot accept someone who dislikes them. And the moment you cross them or you offend them, you had it. Next time or next Sunday when they see you in church, they see you, they walk the other side. If you sit here, they sit there. Why? Angry. Angry. Anger. James and John were like that. Now, what's the point of me talking into, looking into the life of the 12? You know, I often wonder, why? I've, I've not heard pastors in all my 40 years of, of uh, being a Christian, or even almost, I've never heard a pastor preaching a series on the 12. And I ask myself, why? Well, there is hope. Because if Jesus can deal with these 12 and transform them into a force that turn the world upside down, then you and I have hope. Because by the time the Lord is finished with this 12, He ascended into heaven. And if the angel would ask Him, Lord, do you have any plan B? Looking at this 12, right to the very last moment, you are not quite sure of them. They forsook you, you know, Lord. They fled for their life, you know. You don't have plan B. No, I don't have plan B. And yet, at the day of Pentecost, they turned the world around. And today, Christianity spread the far corners of the earth based on the life of these 12 people when the Holy Spirit came. And so if God can turn these people around, God can do it with us. Can I hear an amen? Some of us are hot-tempered. 
By the time the Lord deal with us, we'll be okay. Hallelujah. And so how many times? We are also narrow-minded and intolerant people. There are another instance in the life of James and John. We read there. Teacher, John asks, We saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. And how many times we look at people, even in the church, hey, how come he's not one of us? Unfortunately, the Christian kingdom, the one that we are living in, is a very narrowed one. Very few Christians think kingdom-minded. Sometimes the churches we grow in are very narrow-minded. We cannot afford to see another church down the road growing. We cannot stand if another church is prospering, if another church is doing better than us. We, sh we should stop and think. We should be able to say, praise the Lord. Why? Because the kingdom of God is advancing. We must think kingdom. But unfortunately, we are very church conscious. So if our church is not prospering, if our church is not growing, and when someone else is, we get very angry. Same thing applies to our children. Our children are not doing well, not getting straight A's, not getting scholarship. In a cell group, we sit there listening, and then one sister open her mouth and say, God is so good. My daughter got straight A's and got JPA scholarship in your heart. You say, mm, why God never bless my son? Why? So sometimes when we see people putting you know, their promotion and their blessing on Facebook, especially in media, Instagram, Facebook, when we see God blessing them like someone last week, God blessed her with a Lexus. Why are you so excited that side? Huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Huh, her. Yeah, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at her. <laughs> Sister, rejoice with you. Come on. Stand up. Huh? <laughs> Straight away, I say, oh, congratulations. Hallelujah. Not, hey, why Lord, not me? Huh? Bless. She got it in a what? In the sales, huh? Amen. A few years ago, Pastor Chua Bakchai and the wife enter into a shopping mall contest, you know. You know shopping mall contest? You buy these, you, 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 is it, huh, Pastor Joseph, huh? Uh, you buy these, you tikam, 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 you answer a few questions, and then the first round they went, second round they went, third round they went, finally they got a condo in Penang. Uh, I like that spirit. Not. I, uh, why I didn't get, uh? I've been shopping all these years. Uh, which, by the way, Pastor Joseph, which mall you went? Uh? And so today, husband and wife were blessed with a condo. Whoa! Hallelujah! Rejoice with those who rejoice. Not like these people. Hey, how come uh, he can cast out devil? Lord, Lord, shall we stop him? What basis you want to stop him? Why? He is not one of us. We should stop him because he's not from my cell group. We should stop him because he's not from Harvest. How can he be blessed? Only Harvest member can be blessed. It sounds ridiculous, right? 
How can? How can? And, and so James and John came with that kind of a mentality. If he is not one of us, he should not be blessed. What kind of theology you have? Do we stop? You know what Jesus said? Come on. Everybody say, do not stop him. Why? Because no one who does miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against me is for me. You see, the Lord is very inclusive. Hey, guys, don't get worked up. Lah. But, but he's not one of us. Never mind. He's not from harvest. Never mind. But the church is growing by leaps and bounds. Pastor, the church full. Never mind. Because the kingdom of God is advancing. Amen. Hallelujah. If only we can start looking at Christian, the Christian church in that manner. If we are not doing it, they are winning. Praise God. Because you know what? At the end of the day, the calculation is the kingdom of God is advancing. Maybe not yours. If someone else's family is being blessed, praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. To be the ability to rejoice, not get jealous, envious. And so James and John were like that. They operate in that kind of a mindset. So how many times we too have stopped people from serving God just because they were not one of us? Exclusive. Not one of us. The church of Jesus Christ must come to a place where irregardless of denomination, you see, the Christian churches are so divided. People mock us because we are hundreds and hundreds of denomination. May we go beyond denomination and say, if you believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, brother, we are brothers and sisters. But you don't speak in tongue. It's okay. You believe in Jesus? Yeah. Praise God. You're a Baptist? It's all right. Why? Because we still believe in God. It's very important for us to realize that. Thirdly, if you look into your life again, James and John, sons of Zebedee, came up to him one day. Now, this is very interesting because in Mark's gospel, it's written, they came to Jesus. In Matthew, they sent their mother. You see? Because Salome was Jesus' auntie, Mary's sister. So actually, James and John and Jesus were cousins. And so they thought, if auntie asked Jesus, maybe Jesus will be more inclined to listen. And how many times we also use people's name? <laughs> you can't get dig tongue. Hey, pass it and say can. You're not supposed to park here. Pass it and say can. You want to sign up for kindergarten or our academy or you go to the home? Hey, Pastor Ellen said, give discount. Eh? Don't use my name in vain. <laughs> we like to throw people, I mean, use people's name. Eh? And so here, they say, teacher, we want you. Wow, look at the words they use. Not, Lord, can I? Not asking, you know. They're ordering. We want you to do for us whatever we ask you. And some Christians have that kind of a mindset. As far as the Lord is concerned, Lord, I ask you better answer. 
And so when God doesn't answer, we get disappointed. We don't want to come to church anymore. Pastor, I don't want to come to church anymore. Why? Because I asked God, God never answered. You think God is your servant, but this is the language they use. We want you to do for us whatever we ask you and how many times we are guilty of that. So Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Then they replied, <laughs> Lord, let one of us, you see they already, the two talk already. Maybe they, okay, you take right, I take left. <laughs> they already discussed this earlier before they came to the Lord. So he says, you take right, I take left, you take left, I take right. And so what happened? They say, Lord, let us sit one at your right, the other on your left in your glory. They wanted glory. Now, if they have asked the Lord privately, not so bad, you know. This one, there were 12 there. Can you imagine there were 12 there? Then they asked the other 10. Can, can you imagine if you were there? There were 12 there. And then you ask, James and John say, Lord, Lord, we want you to do what we ask of you. And Jesus said, what do you want? We want to sit one on the right, one on the left. The other 10 say, we le? <laughs> now, if Peter was there, he would be probably furious because he was one of the closest disciples, three in the inner circle. That's why we read their request, make people angry. We read in the scripture, they were indignant at the request. How dare you? Now, if you were Andrew, you know Andrew, Andrew, why Andrew? Because Andrew was the first disciple. He was, in John chapter 1, he was the first now, first usually have privilege, you know. First come, he was the first. And then he will probably say, excuse me, who's the chairman of the board? <laughs> hey, I was there, I was in before you all came in. Huh? No respect. Huh? One on the right, one on the left. Where, 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 where I sit? Backside. <laughs> because they were furious. They were asking for position of power glory you know what jesus said you don't know what you're asking earlier jesus said you don't know what spirit you have some of us don't know what spirit we have now he said you don't know what you're asking but they argue back jesus said are you able to drink the cup that i'm about to drink yeah 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 can can hey think first lah before you say yes can you don't know what you are asking they say can and so what happened? James and John asked for preeminence. They wanted to sit on the right throne. You know, we people like seats of honor. We get offended when we are given the wrong place to sit. VIP seat. VVIP. So sometimes when we are not given the right seat, we get offended. James and John wanted the right seat. One on the left, one on the right. And they also wanted proximity with the Lord. They wanted to be as close as possible to be with the Lord. Thirdly, they wanted power because at the right hand, it signified power, favor. We want position of favor. And we Asians are very particular who sit where, very important. 
Very important where we sit because symbolizes power and favor. And so James and John were not different. So Jesus, he said to them, Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking, but the more important truth is this. When the ten heard it, when the ten heard it, they were angry. They were angry with James and John. You see, many times what we ask can be very offensive. Seriously, we offend God, we offend those who are around us by our requests. Offensive. So lesson that we can learn this morning is desire and ambition must be balanced with humility. Nothing wrong with ambition. Ambitious. Seriously. In fact, Asian parents school their children straight A's. A1, not A minus. A1. We even have a tuition center called A1. <laughs> A1. You must have A1. Nothing less is not counted. And so it's okay to be ambitious. But when your ambition gets in the way where your priority is, I must get to the top at all means. Even if it means I step on others to get there, I'll do it. If I have to press you down and gossip and slander about you, I will do it. And so James and John make a request and in incur the wrath. Let's not be too ambitious. God will bless us. Can I hear an amen? If you walk right with God, God will honor you. God will bless you. God will favor you. But you and I don't need to make people angry. Otherwise, it will lead to an attitude of exclusiveness and pride. Lesson number two, it causes division and bickering among people. What we ask, and you and I know we live in a nation, we are very sensitive. You cannot ask anything. Apa China mau lagi? Apa India mau lagi? We are very sensitive. We don't ask anything. But we work for it, we pray, and today, the Chinese and the Indian and the line line, we are blessed by God in spite of the political situation in this country. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of the people are still in the cabinet. Uh, cabinet. Why? Because they know that God placed them. That's why you need to come next week when Barubian, he never expected a day he will come and sit in the seat of power in Putrajaya. He was just serving God. He was a lawyer defending the people in Sarawak. Never see a day that God will honor him. So it's very important for us to recognize that. Let's go on. James and John probably thought they were special because they were part of the inner circle. What made them make the request? Why? Because they consider themselves special. And friends, it's a very dangerous thing when we consider ourselves special. Number one, they thought they were there. Only three of them were there. James, Peter, and John. Jesus called them particularly inside the room. The rest were outside. So there is a sense of importance there. Because they can turn to the other nine and say, You there or not? You there or not? You're not there, okay? Keep quiet. I was there, no? When Jesus lifted up Jairus' daughter and said, Rise up! We saw. And then, huh? Were you there or not? When Jesus 
call Peter, James, and me. We went up to the mount, you know. Where were you? Where were you? We went up in the mount, you know. And there, Jesus, and then Elijah, and then Moses. Whoo, your fantastic revelation. And then, uh, wow, Jesus, radiant, glory, man, we have never seen. You there, not? You there, not? You didn't see, right? And then, were you there? Peter, James, and John. You read this in, in, in Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 14. Were you there or not? The Lord said, let's go to the garden. And then he stopped here. The rest, the, the, rest, the eight of you, you say, you, you stay here. And then he took three of us, special one. Special one. He said, let's go further. And then he put us there. And then he himself went a little bit further. You there or not? You there or not? But the point is, what were you doing there? All of them sleeping. But they were... They felt uh, they were special. Some of us feel we are special. Hello, we are special. Pastor, I'm a pioneer member of HCA, you know. I'm a pioneer member, you know. Pastor, this church uh, would never be possible without my contribution, you know. You know how much I gave? Uh? Don't I tell you? Uh? But I was there, you know. I was there when pastors struggled, don't know, sure or not. I came along, Pastor, I said, don't worry. Pastor, go for it. I was there. You dare not? You dare not? So position. Somehow they feel privileged. And so what happened? Spiritual gifts are no real indicators of spiritual maturity. So even though they were there at Transfiguration, Gethsemane, they were there at raising of Jairus' daughter, that did not mean they were matured people. They were still carnal, fleshy, selfish, self-seeking. And all these instances not only began at the beginning of their ministry, they asked for position of power in Matthew 20, one day before Jesus was crucified. That means they were already spending almost three years with the Lord, and yet they could not capture the Christ-like spirit. They were still squabbling among themselves for position of power. And the Lord say what? Don't be like the Gentiles. If you want to be great, let him be the servant. Let him be the servant. This was towards the end, a day before Jesus was betrayed. And so, I've come to a conclusion. Those of us who are casting out demons, those of us who have authority, to speak, those of us who have the gifts of prophecy, thank God. Thank God. Those of us who can cast out demons and pray and, and, and do wonderful things, praise God. You know what? They are gifts of the Holy Spirit. But that does not mean you are manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. Too much emphasis and focus is spent on spiritual gifts. Thank God for it. But very little is given on the fruit of a spirit which is love, peace, love, joy, long-suffering, self-control, temperament. That one, we don't want to talk about it. That's the fruit. But we want the power. And so James and John had the gift. They were there in special moment, but no indication of spiritual maturity. And that's why the church, sometimes when the testing comes, when tribulation comes, you'll find very quickly they will fall. They will fall. 
That's why, what happened? When the soldiers came to the Garden of Gethsemane, everyone fled. Can you imagine? Everyone fled. The ones who saw Jesus cussing out demons, Jesus stealing the storm, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, and yet they ran. All these things didn't mean anything to, that, to them at that moment. Why? Because they had one thing more powerful, and that is their life. Their life. Man, i got to save my life. Three years of watching the supernatural didn't mean anything. Because when you are faced with that and your life, all of us will choose our life and forget about everything. That's why it's so humbling the last, few, last couple of days. Some of us are so proud and arrogant. You know there's a remedy to that. Just go and visit somebody in a hospital. Yesterday a team went, and because the nature of my job as a pastor, I go hospital very often. And sometimes all you need to do is just walk through the ward. It has a humbling effect on you. When you see suffering people, when you see people on tube, when you see people lying there helpless, oh, hospital is a great equalizer. Whether you are rich or poor, Chinese or Indian or Malay, is the same. We tend to be less racist. We tend to be less materialistic when we are in a hospital. Why? Because, hey, life is short and brief. So don't be too arrogant. Don't be too proud. All of us here will eventually come to that. So in other words, the twelve apostles, <laughs> they couldn't even believe. They saw everything, they heard everything Jesus did. And yet when the soldiers came, all it took was someone say, Run up! Everybody ran. Everybody ran. Until all that changed. Hallelujah. Until all that changed on the day of Pentecost. Peter fell like a failure. He denied the Lord. Judas Iscariot betrayed the Lord when he hung himself. The rest were just aimless, not sure what to do. And here is the destiny of the church in lies in the hands of these 11, minus Judas Iscariot. But on the day of Pentecost, something happened. Let's look what happened to James and John. Not fair to look at the negative. Let's look at the positive. Can I hear amen? What happened? James was beheaded. This time he didn't run. Earlier he ran. This time in Jerusalem, we read in Acts chapter 12, Herod had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. This time they didn't run anywhere. In fact, he went willingly. He was the first of the twelve to be martyred. And probably when before the sword landed on his head, he remembered the request. Sit on the right hand. And Jesus said, you sure you're able to drink this cup that I'm drinking? Can, can, pastor, can. And his head rolled. First martyr. What happened to John? This guy, compared to his brother, James, James was the first to die. John was the last to die. Fair. One go first, one remain. He was the only apostle who died a natural death at old age. What happened to him? He served the church in Jerusalem. He remained in Jerusalem. He outlived four emperors. Seriously. He was blessed with long life. 
He lived right to a ripe old age of 98 years old. Outlived four emperors. And it is told that he remained in Ephesus. He led the church there for some time, John. And then later, there was a change. Later he wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the Gospel of John. He wrote, and later he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, where he wrote the book of Revelation. Five books he wrote, John. Five books he wrote. And his fiery temperament and ambition later gave way to humility, which characterized his ministry in the later years. In fact, there was one incident when Jesus was hung at the cross. Only one disciple was at near the cross. The rest were ladies. And Jesus was about to give up his ghost, give up his spirit. And he turned to Mary, his mother. Can you imagine what a filial son he was? He said, woman, I'm going. Behold your son. He was like entrusting that woman to John, who was the only one there. Now, if you read John chapter 19, he said, he said, woman, behold your son. And then he turned to John, John, behold your mother. And it is said, if you read the scripture, Mary followed John from that day onwards. Now, if you are the Lord, would you entrust your mother to someone who is a bit sought? Would you entrust your mother to someone who is self-seeking and ambitious? You see, by then, Jesus knew John would turn around. Later, when he wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, you know what's the message of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John? <laughs> no more hot temper, John. God is love. Beloved, love one another. Children, love is of God. Whoever that love is of God and is born of the Spirit. So his message was later, love, love, love. Children, love one another. Not fight one another. Not compete with one another. Not push one another. Love one another. That was John's message. You read 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. You see, by the time the Holy Spirit is done with John, he was called, you know what? Not the, the sons of thunder. No, he was called the apostle of love. And you know what? By the time the Lord is finished with us, we too can be transformed. Amen. No hot temper. Fella. By the time the Holy Spirit deals with us, we'll be so nice. Sometimes, sometimes they look at us and say, oh, Yo, doctor, you're so nice. Mrs. Goon say, You don't know him yet. <laughs> if you had known him those many years, oh, yo, proud, arrogant. You know, Parcellan, when I see him, he also know I see. <laughs> Serious. Not an no, easy character those days. Went to visit him in his house. Now he's a chairman. You know. When I visited the house, Mrs. Gould was so loving in Kampong Kwantan, big house, XC Road, those days. <laughs> big bungalow, he came back from his clinic during lunch, and my wife and I, hey, Mrs. Gould said, Darling, Pastor Alan is here. 
he was feeding his fish and I was there in the hall. That was the Dr. Gun, you, you should know. Now he greet everybody, hello, how are you, how are you? Uh, hello. Hello. Those days, you cross him, you finished. You are finished. He suffered no fools. Seriously, he suffered no fools. Today, he's always saying, give chan, pastor, give chan. He's telling me, give chan. So, there's hope. If there's hope for him, there's hope for all of us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, come on. Come on. This, this is a real transformation. <laughs> Mrs. Gun, correct or not? <laughs> Better don't ask her. But it is so true. Is it John towards his life, mellowed down? Not because he's old, you know. Some of us may be getting old, but ooh, still hot. Some of us may be old, still very selfish. Age has no bearing actually on selfishness. Some of us may be old, but very intolerant. But by the time the Holy Spirit finished that work, John, hallelujah, apostle of love. You see, Jesus our Lord saw John on what he can become, not because of the present state. And you know what? God sees you right now for what you and I can become. Some of us here, we, we look at <laughs> Your wife marry you for what you can become. <laughs> Seriously. Some of us here, our wives are women of faith. When they took the risk to marry us, they were faithful. <laughs> Why? Because they knew God will turn you around. Turn you around. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why? Because they saw what you can become. You think your wife marry you because you're handsome? Ah? <laughs> think again. Some of us think uh, we are full of charm, you know. Well, we are God's answer to woman. <laughs> Our wife marry her because they had faith. And today, when you are successful, hallelujah, remember that. They had faith in us. So God sees, hallelujah. Where is gun? He went off right there. Oh, why is he? I say, Mr. Lexus. I congratulated him. I say, Wow, bless her. My wife won, my wife won, my wife won. I say, You got no chance to drive me. My wife won. Hallelujah. Praise God. Look at James and John. So later, John became the beloved disciple. His message focused on love and compassion of the Lord. Read 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. You look at the language. Beloved, love one another. For love is of God. If anyone is born of God, he loves. You cannot say you love God and hate your brother. For perfect love casts out all fears. Love covers a multitude of sin. John. If you only know him earlier, how selfish he was, you know that this is a real transformation. Hallelujah. A real transformation. And I'm believing God, all of us here, by the time Lord Jesus is finished with us, we too will be transformed. Hallelujah. Wife, be encouraged. Your husband will eventually get there. 
Our children will be transformed, our husband will be transformed, our wife will be transformed, and this nation will be transformed. Because God is a good God. Can I get the musicians to come forward, please? Hallelujah. And so the early church dispersed. Let me quickly go, I'm going to close now. All right. Early church historian, all right, claimed that prior to the destruction of Jerusalem at 70 AD, where Jesus said in Matthew 24, oh, that great tribulation will come. Actually, he saw ahead how the Romans will overrun Jerusalem. You better run to the mountain, you. And I, I read, you know how many people were killed on that day? 1.3 million Jews were killed. Were killed at the great tribulation that is mentioned in Matthew 24. Every stone, Jesus said, every stone in this temple will be overrun. Nothing will be left behind. And so, what happened? He fled Pella, which is one of the ten cities in Decapolis. If you read in Matthew 13, Matthew 20, I mean Mark 13, Matthew 24, Luke 21, Luke 19. And this is what happened to John. He fled to Decapolis. Okay, when the destruction came upon Jerusalem here. Then what happened? The early church dispersed because of the great persecution. Acts chapter 6. Great persecution and the disciples were scattered throughout the region. Some went as far as Antioch, we read in Acts chapter 6. And so what happened? From there, God allowed the scattering for a purpose. You know why? And the people, as they went, they were preaching the gospel. So, all the while they were located in Jerusalem, persecution came with a blessing that as they were scattering as far as Antioch and all that, they took the gospel with them. And this is where John traveled and settled in Ephesus, which is Turkey. Jerusalem is somewhere around down here. Those of us who are familiar with the world map, John went to Asia and this is where the Isle of Patmos, he was exiled. He wrote about the seven churches, Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. All the seven churches are here. Today, if you go to Turkey, you can see the ruins of these seven churches. Ephesus is here, the church in Ephesus, Smyrna. And then what happened? If you go to today, if you go to Turkey, Ephesus is a ruin. Okay, you can see, you can walk through all these, the New Testament church. John went there, and about 600 AD, the Basilica of St. John was built on this mountain overlooking Ephesus. And this is the tomb of St. John. He died at a right old age. And this is where many historians believe Mary's house, because Mary followed John. After Jesus died and crucified, Mary was taken care of by the Apostle John and today they have pointed out that this was Mary's house during that time. Hallelujah. And this was John's writing room overlooking Ephesus where the Gospel of John was lightly written. Hallelujah. It is said, I got more photo, it is said that he was in the Isle of Patmos. He lived most of his life in a cave where 
he got this vision of something of so frightening if you read the book of revelation the fiery all this if you read the book of revelation he was alone writing all this vision in that cave amen so today let's sing this song lord i